Fire Nation, JLD here, coming at you with a little bonus episode today. This is Plane Cast. It's what it sounds like. It's a podcast on a plane. Myself and Michael O'Neill went out to Vegas for Nick Unsworth's bachelor party, and it was a great time. But on the way there, we decided to record a podcast on a plane, and we're calling it Plane Cast. So, forewarning, This audio is not going to be great. I've done what I could in post-production to make it listenable, but it's just not your in-studio quality. We're on a plane. You can tell we're on a plane. But I'll tell you one thing. We do drop some pretty awesome golden nuggets throughout this trip. So if you can put aside the less-than-perfect audio, you will walk away with some really great takeaways, in my humble opinion. I really hope that you enjoy this. We had a blast doing it. I'd love to hear if you enjoy these type of things too. So shoot me an email, john at entrepreneuronfire.com. Let me know if you liked this kind of format where it's just a couple of guys chatting away about topics that are top of mind to us right now, reflecting, looking back, and just having a good time. So Hope you enjoy Fire Nation. Kick back, relax, and let Planecast take off. Ladies and gentlemen, John Lee Dumas here on the first ever Entrepreneur on Fire Planecast. Although this is Planecast number two, you'll be hearing some beeping. You'll actually be hearing us taxiing. You'll actually be hearing us taking off pretty soon because we are flying to Las Vegas for. Nick Unsworth, my brother from another mother's bachelor party. This guy is getting married. I know it's crazy, but I have on my left, in the middle seat, Michael O'Neill of Solopreneur Hour. It's a killer podcast, a few times a week, variety show, I like to say. There's a great tagline with it too, but basically, he leads a tribe of proudly unemployable people and uh, starting quite the movements. I've enjoyed watching it from afar. Now I'm going to be able to talk about it up close in plain cast numero dos, but again, number one for Entrepreneur on Fire. So let me tell you a little bit about Michael O'Neill. Loves watches, loves Porsches, loves North Park, and loves podcasting. So I feel like you know enough about him that I'm going to turn the mic over to Mr. Michael O'Neill so he can say a little bit more about whatever he wants to say and uh, just kick it off, brother. Thank you very much, JLD. I do appreciate it. Uh, this is Plain Cast Dose, as you say. Uh, we are on our Southwest flight from here at San Diego to Las Vegas, the Sin City. And um, yeah, we did our first Plain Cast was in Denver, on, on the way to Denver. Same flight, actually. This flight is on the way to Denver, but we did it uh, from uh, on the way to Greg Hickman, Mr. Mobile Mixed, his wedding. So we keep going to these cool events of our entrepreneurial friends and deciding to record podcasts on planes, which I think is really awesome. I love it. I do, too. It is a really cool feature to uh, to be able to, to chat and... Um, we're using here, we're, we're plugged in using the, the Zoom H6, and we are literally taking off. I don't know if anybody can hear this. We are literally on the runway. We're going about uh, 200 miles an hour. We're about to take off right now. And um, yeah, we're here on plane cast number two. So let's talk about that. Um, you and I, I think especially you, because you, whenever I, I talk to people about what you are and what you do, I don't lead with, oh, he's like, he's the king of podcasting, right? I lead with, he has the fastest marketing mind, which is true, that I've ever met. Meaning that you can take these disparate items. Uh, someone says, I have this skill set. I know how to do a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And in three seconds, you can go, oh, you should do blank, blank, and blank. Read this book. Get this app. And this is how you should launch that thing. And it's, I think it's an amazing gift that you have. I'm touched that you would say those words, Michael O'Neill. And, you know, I, I'm kind of curious as to where this playing cast is going to go because this is going to be released on Entrepreneur on Fire. Is this going to be released on Solopreneur Hour too? Yeah, we're going to do a simulcast. Oh, simulcast. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to figure out when you okay. can fit this in your schedule. We'll make schedule. it happen. And, well, it's going to be a bonus, so we can just yeah. throw it in. Yeah, yeah. We can throw it in. And I, I appreciate that because one thing that I talk a lot about um, 
because I do a lot of things that don't work out, that end up flopping, but it's the speed of implementation that I thrive on, that I love, and that I just try to shake into people when I hear their stories, when I hear what they're trying to do, because I say, try this, this, and this now, because it just might work, but it might not, so let's find out now. And for me, I've tried so many different things in the last two and a half years, so many of which you haven't heard about because they don't work, but they don't work quickly. So I love that speed of implementation. And By the way, nobody remembers those. That's the thing don't. is people have so much fear to, to do something or start something, I, I, presumably because of the fear of failure, but nobody remembers that, that side of it. No one's going to look at John and go, oh, well, he tried to launch blank, 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 and it didn't work. What a loser. You know, that's just not how people think. Well, think of the lizard brain. The lizard brain is, hey, if you do something that ostracizes you from a tribe, that makes you look like you are a sore thumb or a potential wasted mouth to feed, you're going to start walking north until we can't see you anymore and then potentially die in the wilderness because you're, you're no longer use of this tribe. So we have this innate terrified fear of making ourselves look like we don't belong, of making ourselves look like we we aren't worthy. And that's why it's so important to surround yourselves with people like Michael O'Neill, like Pat Flynn, like Greg Hickman, who are just so willing to look foolish so often. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional at that. It's a true story. Um, uh, the other part of it is that, like, the, the that failure side where... <laughs> Rarely do you ever think, oh, I, I totally failed at that. You might go, eh, all right, we missed the mark a little on that one. Let's try this. And you move right on. It's not something you dwell on a lot, is it? No, do not dwell. It's, it's just, it, it's, a, it's an innate part of being in the right mindset of this, we're going to have to try a few things. Well, this is how I put it, especially with podcasts. I know you have a lot of podcast listeners. And something I've been saying a little bit lately is if you're if your show is like three or four months in and, and pardon me if I'm contradicting anything you've said hey I don't mind contradiction but if your show is like three or four months in and you're still getting less than like 200 downloads a day you might not have hit the mark with your show it might be time to go you know what Either it was the branding or the content or the delivery of this show, but it hasn't latched on with people yet. I don't know that it, there's going to be this slow burn growth to where I'm all of a sudden getting 5,000 downloads a day. And you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm an awful podcaster, because guess what? Guess how many pilots TV shows make every single season? There's literally hundreds, if not thousands, and they end up picking up like 10. Yeah. And the, the rest of them are sort of failed pilots or one-time things. So you shouldn't feel like just because you didn't hit it out of the park with your first podcast that you're going to be a failure as a podcaster. So let me kind of break this down. So you're basically saying that if somebody comes to you and say, hey, I'm three or four months in my podcast and I have a couple hundred listens a day, um, you know, your advice is you know, you didn't maybe hit the mark. And I can tell you this. If it's a business-related show where they're expecting they're, they want advertisers okay. and grow a platform. If they're doing it for fun, then get as many as you want. Because I can tell you this. I, I do have a, actually a similar similar mindset. It's a little more... Um, what's the right word here? It's a little more number-oriented where I actually... They come to me at three or four months and they say, John, I'm getting X number of downloads right now. I don't feel like my show is quite getting the type of traffic that I was hoping for or I was thinking... I say, do this. You know what your numbers are right now. Spend the next two months doing exactly what you're doing on the path that you think you need to be on, if this is still the path you think you need to be on. And if you come back to me in the two months and your numbers haven't consecutively grown 10%, that's my number. They haven't grown 10% each month for those two months, then we need to reevaluate. Because for me, it's less about the numbers exactly than it is on the show growth. Because I would much prefer to have a show that is starting at 100 listens per month and consecutively growing 10% every month than 1,000 listens per month that's just straight plateau. Right, right. That makes sense. So it's, I think we're on the exact same page, but I'm just like, I think you need no, to I look like at the, I like the that you have a. I like that you have a, 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 a sort of final litmus test for them. Yeah. You know, this has to grow a little bit. And the other thing is, if you are in that position where your show's not growing the way you want it to be, 
look at those three factors. Look at, did you nail the brand at the beginning? In fact, that's what I'm speaking about right. at Tropical Think Tank. Did you nail that brand? Does it, does when you deliver your show, does it deliver the essence of who you are or what you're trying to convey to, your, to the right audience? Not to your audience, but to the right audience. Is the show itself, like I just heard today, I've been investigating um, dental podcasts because I'm helping a friend launch a dental Mark. podcast. Mark, who's, who went live today. Yes. And um, and that's April, what is it, April 9th? Yeah. Um, and I listened, you could, you can tell when that same company, I forget the company has done the intro because it's got that same, yes, now. It's music, the, music radio right, creative. Yeah, totally has that vibe of the intro. <laughs> uh, music radio and, and uh, All English accent. Totally. And... They've got this nice intro. It sounds super pro. Then they switch over to the actual show itself. This isn't on March. This is this the one I was investigating. And it sounds... Not only does it sound awful, but in the first 15 seconds, the co-host says, thanks for having me on the call, which just tells everybody I don't understand this format at all. <laughs> and so when that happens, that is an instant... Not only do they sound like they recorded it in like GoToWebinar... But so the, the, there's a huge drop off in quality between the intro and the actual show itself. But then when he says that, you go, oh, maybe they're not as plugged in as I want them to be. Maybe they're not innovating the space. How you do one thing is how you do all things, right? So I, I, I look at things like that and say, is there a real transition point between what you're the content of your show not the content the the, the consistency the, the the delivery of the show like how professional does it sound and then it gets down to how good you are actually on the mic and, and do you know the techniques of interviewing people and, and things that might keep a listener interested down the road so one thing that I really do admire about you is your knowledge of branding and one thing that I have pulled out of talking with you and seeing you present from stage is consistency of brand. And I went back to the drawing board for EO Fire recently. We had a brand redesign focusing on the website itself because there wasn't a huge amount of consistency. And I will say, I now am just so excited about the consistent brand that we have from the moment you arrive at our site all the way through. I love and, it, by the way. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. I've all studied and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> like I've, I've spoken to a designer and go, I want something like that. That's right. good. But one thing I kind of want to shift to is is you because you came to me in August of like 2014 with the idea of the show. It was a very mature idea. 2013, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Very mature idea at the time and I liked everything that I heard. And you since took that from August of 2013, you soon after launched and I mean, you're on Entrepreneur on Fire, so let's get a little transparent here. You broke $200,000 in revenue yeah. in the course of one fiscal year. Yeah, that's right. So that's amazing. That puts you in the top 1% of 1% for small businesses who have crossed that revenue number, especially when it comes to you're basically a one-man show. Your profit margin's enormous. Your cost of production and everything is small. So this is a huge number. It's afforded you a great lifestyle. Let's talk about you. You talk about with me that you think I have a great marketing mind, my speed of implementation. What makes you the type of entrepreneur that can take an idea, turn it into a podcast, become an instant podcaster? Because it took me a long time to become a podcaster. You became an instant podcaster. And I'm not looking for the backstory, but I'm looking for the specifics within that year of that $200,000 in revenue, what did you do that brought you to that number? So, yeah, I guess the first part of that is the fact that when I didn't, I didn't start podcasting because I wanted it to become a platform that I could launch my, you know, XYZ. Like, I started a podcast because I wanted to be a podcaster and I wanted to do deep dive interviews. Uh, the, the, the quick, just for the, the quick backstory of, uh, for your listeners, I had, I had lunch with Pat Flynn in, in San Diego uh, in May of 2013. We were at a pizza place. We sat for two hours. We talked about literally everything but smart passive income. We talked about our wives and our girlfriends, um, his wife and his girlfriend. I'm kidding, Pat. Um, <laughs> his, uh, we talked about 
you know, men's fashion. We talked about that. We talked about, like, literally all kinds of stuff. And he left there and he stopped in the middle of the street and he said, dude. Well, maybe Batland. I never get to do that. Yeah. I never get to do that. He said, I never get to do that. I, I always have to talk. I just have to. It's not what he said. He goes, I always am talking about smart passive income. And, and how awesome I am. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's the kettle right there, if I've ever seen one. Um, and, and I thought, well, wouldn't that be a cool idea for a show? Not necessarily to like make it full of actionable content, but really paint the picture of what these people's lives are actually like. Like, this is what they do on a regular basis. And I thought the more I could make them relatable to the rest of us, the more people would go, oh, wait a second. I, you know, I can do that. And what I've been saying lately is they say that successful people put their pants on the same way everybody does. I want to watch them put their pants on. That's what the show's about, is watching them put their pants okay, on. Okay, so fast forward to so, making it. Because the reason why I want, I want to get to this point is because so many people, we have an amazing mastermind, Fire Nation elite. I talk to people all the time. Their number one issue is John. I have the passion. I have some skills. I'm working my butt off. I haven't made a dollar. How did you make 200000 of those $1? Um, so, step one was the day that my RSS feed went live, if you asked me what I did, I was a podcaster. That was it. I was going to... I, what do you do? I'm a podcaster. That's what I do. The second thing is, I have such a passion around the, the delivery, the actual interview itself because I've studied stand-up and I study great interviewers and things like that. And I wanted to find my way into some very insightful guests. And, and what happened was people started listening. They started liking the fact that that format was different than what was out there. You've got this killer half hour of purely actionable content. Pat and Amy had at the time about 45 minutes of half and half, like where it was kind of structured, but they had a point they were trying to get to. And then I went the other way and said, I'm going to have no format and I'm going to have this conversation, but I'm going to Trojan horse um, good content on people. So people started listening. And as they started listening, I was in about month, August, September, I was in about month three and a half. And I had enough people that had emailed me that said, hey, I really like the show. I like what you're doing. Do you do any coaching? And I didn't at the time. And um, thank you. We're getting our uh, nuts and such. Um, and uh, <laughs> Nuts and pretzels. Nuts and pretzels. Um, and I didn't. So what I did, the first thing I did was I said, I'm going to start a group coaching program. I don't necessarily want to become a business coach, but I think there's a need because I've struggled. I went through six years of having no money and like scraping change together so I could go take a shuttle so that I could go and speak to 2,500 people about social media, which is nuts. Yeah. And at that point, I got a Schedule Once account, which is like uh, a, a booking. You know, they have time trade Schedule Once. And I said on the show, I said, if anybody's interested in joining this new concept I have called Solo Lab, um, go to this address and I, and I solohour.com slash solo lab or whatever it was. And I had 40 people. That's exactly what it is, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I had 40 people that said yes. And so I scheduled them every three days. I scheduled them every 15 minutes yeah. and I did interviews with them so that I, and I had a total idea of how I was going to do this. I had solo lab in my brain and then I talked to people. Okay. I'm interjecting I you. I'm interjecting MBR style. So holding on that, I'm talking to you point. Cause I want you to pick it right back up from there. I will. Cause then you're talking about me. Um, so MBR style is fire nation. Michael O'Neill built an audience around a topic, a conversation that he enjoyed that he liked doing and that he had skill sets in because of past skills that he had acquired over the years. He made the time to do the unscalable, to do the unleverageable, to talk to his listeners one-on-one, -on -one, something that so many people are afraid of these days. They skip that, and it's so critical. They skip that part, and you can't. I still don't skip that part where I'm at. I have a day coming up in two weeks where I'm talking to 50 potential Fire Nation leaders all in one day, eight-minute calls. I'm talking to them wow. all. Yeah, I do it once, once every three months. I do 50 calls. Oh, you're always getting off the treadmill last. <laughs> and Michael O'Neill had these conversations. And guess what these people told him? They said, Michael, these are my pain points. These are my obstacles. These are my challenges, my struggles. 
Michael O'Neill listens, and then he provided the solution with Solo Labs. And guess what? When he created the the sales page, he created the conversation behind what it would take to join. He used their vocabulary, their language that they used to him when he was listening. That is the way that you bond with your audience because we think as entrepreneurs that we know exactly what they want. Our audience, our listeners, our followers, they tell us what they want. They tell us how we want them to talk and to actually spell out what they want. And then if we create that solution in a powerful way, that's the answer. And that was Solo Lab. So take it off from that. So I wouldn't have launched if I didn't have enough uh, interest from the audience. So the fact well, that I, no, I remember 40 talking people, about jail days. I know. And, okay. I know. We'll get, we'll get back okay. to you in a second. <laughs> I know it's hard. If we go three, four minutes without you. Um, I had... I wouldn't have launched if I didn't have a, a, a sizable group that were interested. Right. So I had 40. And, and when I had written down what I thought Solo Lab was going to be, you and I had a conversation. We did. Okay, good. And see, we're back to you. That's, yeah. That's important. And from their feedback, from interviewing 40 people and hearing what they needed and then talking to you, I was like, wait a second. The thing I thought I had to create was... 10x more complicated 10X. than what I actually created. And what like, scared people away? It was way bigger than it needed to be. You know what I launched with on December 6th, 2014? I launched with a Facebook group. Wow. That was it. I love it. I launched with a Facebook group. That Facebook group initially was worth I think out of the 40, what I did on the on those uh, Skypes is I had the conversation with them for 15 minutes, and at the end of it, I said, if I started next week, are you a definite yes, a definite no, or a definite maybe? And I had about 17 yeses, and of the 17, I had 12 that signed up the first day. So that ended up being, it was about 300 bucks a piece, so that ended up being 4200 bucks or whatever and it was. Per quarter? In a day. Yeah, 300 bucks per quarter. Per that's quarter. right. Got it. So if I scaled that out, that's twelve hundred, you know, twelve hundred dollars a year per person. Per person times twelve. So yeah. all of a sudden we're like up. What is that? Forty four thousand dollars, right there. You're like at half six right, figures. A couple right months there. after launching, that's with right. a few conversations. And side notes, I think there needs to be a podcast called Definitely Maybe. <laughs> Definitely Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Definitely kind of maybe sort of. <laughs> and so Solo Lab then grew to. I think I had about, by February, I had about 40 members, and it evolved into, um, as a bonus, and this is where this really shifted, as a bonus for the first 10 people that joined Lab, I gave two 30-minute coaching calls, just because I thought, why not give them some extra value? So people signed right up and got those. Then I found that I love doing those calls so much. That I just, learned a lot. Oh, learned a ton. It still keeps the, still keeps the knife sharp that... I just included that. So now if someone joins, I do two 30-minute calls per quarter for them. And every time they renew, I add an extra call. So I'll do three if they renew once and four and blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty soon I'm calling them every 10 minutes. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. but um, So that happened. And then once I got to about 50, 60 people in the lab, I said, you know what? I don't want to handle anymore, but I'm going to raise the prices on this. And I'm going to raise them from two ninety seven a quarter to four ninety seven a quarter, and in doing so, in what, it happened on a Friday. I had twenty three signups that Friday. Scarcity, baby, because of that scarcity idea. So that was you know worth a bunch. And then right around February, I got a call from GoDaddy, uh, and I'd had yeah, I guess they were the first, and GoDaddy committed to a a year contract of uh, sponsoring the show, which was great. And then in between there, I had a number of different sponsors between February and I guess now, anywhere from, you know, you name it, you know them all that I've done. But that that was it. That was the monetization mostly. Now, there's one thing I want to jump back to because yep. you did this incredibly well as well. And it's a question that I get all the time. They say, John, it was amazing that you were able to launch and get Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Barbara Corkin on your show. How do you actually get those type of relationships with those type of people when you're a nobody? Because I was a nobody when I started. You weren't a nobody when you started. Like, I was a nobody. I had no online experience, no online presence. You weren't a nobody because you've been working with David Wood of Kick-Ass Life for a while. So you had connections in the industry on some levels. But you're still a great example in this because it's still from the very displaced part. You reached out to Pat Flynn. 
you had lunch with him because you asked and he said yes and you had a powerful conversation and he walked away saying huh this guy's a little different and I like that <laughs> then you had a conversation with me you, you biked to me we sat on a park bench we talked for a while we actually ended up walking the bay a little bit I get home like that afternoon or the next morning this massive bouquet arrives in Fire Nation it was addressed to Kate He's, he knows he knows where the butter's at it was at. both okay it was both but it was like you know flaming orange and, and red flowers yeah they were they were fire colors fire color flowers a bouquet yeah. just like hey John thanks for your time it's valuable I realize that and I appreciate it and Kate's like huh who's this guy Michael O'Neill by the and way then, when I did that just as an aside I had $92 in my bank account and that cost $68. Michael O'Neill had $92 <laughs> in his bank account, spent $68 on me and then within three and a half months had banked an invoice total of 44 k for Solar Labs. Invoice total, yeah, right. Invoice Actual total. total, but still was doing okay otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But that was a total that you collected in the course of that next year. There's a lot of working for free that people don't right. see. There's a lot of that. There's a yeah. lot of like doing that one-on-one and, and just really trying to get the skill set together. There's a lot of that. Well, and we all know the Y Combinators and the tech stars, but what people don't realize is this famous quote by Brad Felt, who's like the father of all of this, he said, do what doesn't scale. And we've talked about this already in this conversation right here, but so many people think that they need to do things that they're behind a curtain, they're in a closet, their head's down, they need to come out and they need to, to scale to tens of hundreds of thousands of clients right. immediately. Right away. Oh my God, my water's coming. I'm so thirsty. It's like one of my, that's actually one of my pet peeves is having, seeing these people that are like, let's say they're launching their show or they're launching their platform for the first time. They're like, yeah, my, my VA's doing this and then I've got someone doing my show notes and I've got someone doing the blah, blah, blah and all my social media. I'm like, what happens if something happens? Like if, then do you just have no show? Like if your VA gets sick that day or like how, how can you, how do you if you if you've never worked on your engine, what happens when it breaks down, right? And how do you know what how to tune it the right way if you've never actually done it yourself? So yeah, that I think having that one on one really matters. Oh, Fire Nation, listen to this. I'm opening up my Deja Blue. Let's get this. Thank uh, you. I'm sure you heard that. I'm a little parched. This is uh, we're, we're entering the dry desert air already. I can hear that. Let me take a sip real quick. The uh, he doesn't want you to know, but that's actually Pap's Blue Ribbon that he just cracked into. <laughs> I'm not sure if everybody wants to it's know that. It's not Deja Blue. It's, it's PBR. It's PBR. No, it's truly Deja it Blue. Is, but I'm not saying there won't be some, uh, some adult beverages later, but not now. We're focused on the conversation, anyway. and I really love this topic about do what doesn't scale. Um, and to be honest, that defines a podcaster in a lot of different ways because... I can only have one interview at a time. And that, in a nutshell, doesn't scale. But then what does scale from that? Do you still edit your shows? Okay. You I, did for a really let, long time. Let me time. get to First that in hundreds a yeah. of shows. You know. I, I, and I, I still do, but I want to kind of... Okay. I want to extrapolate upon... No, I want to extrapolate upon that point, though, too, because there's key there. So the part of me interviewing doesn't scale, but the, the amount of listeners that can tune into that one conversation does scale. Sure. So even though you're doing something that might not scale right now, there can be other parts of that that, does, that do scale. And that's really where the power lies. So to get to your editing question, because it's important, because you, know, you need to be very, you need to really care and be very cognizant about your time as an entrepreneur, because it's, it's your most precious resource. I still do edit my own shows, but... It takes me uh, at most five to seven minutes per episode. Me too. Because all I do is while it's going in Adobe Audition, I have my keys, my fingers on the keyboard, and this is just all automatic now. It's like a lizard brain. It's like bloop, bloop, bloop. If the person that I'm talking to makes a massive, and it has to be a big mistake, I, I let all the little stuff go now. If it's a massive mistake, I'll drop a red flag on his part. If it's a massive mistake on my part, I'll drop a blue flag. And if there's just something that I want to clean up for whatever reason, I'll drop a white flag. And then I only go back and go to those flags at the end. Nothing else gets touched. And usually I probably average two flags per episode. So you can just imagine just blip, ripple, delete, blip, ripple, delete. 
Okay, add an intro, sponsors, outro. It's uploaded. Right. So same thing. It's that quick. Yeah. I do. I do the same, and even to the point, even because I'm a drummer, I I rhythmically have, uh, you know, like I've got a bumper, and then like timing wise, then my British lady comes in, then timing wise, <laughs> and I have the intro that hits, and and it's my baby. Like I, your baby. It's my baby, and I and I and. To, to think that you being, you know, now multi-millionaire podcaster, God forbid, John Lee Dumas is <laughs> editing his own show. Well, yes, he is, because it's what got you here in the first place. I became a good podcaster because I edited my own shows, right. because I cared about my shows, because I learned about all of the things that I do wrong as an interview host and right. still do wrong. So there's a lot of things there. And actually, there is a point that I want to make, though. I think are we going we're already descending that's crazy so one thing that's really key that I want to bring up is quotes on fire that's a, a, a show I do seven days a week it's one quote one resource and that's it and it's a quick show three or four minutes it's in and out I actually record it once a month it takes me an hour and 45 minutes to, to do the, I just do a one recording I send one way file to my to my um, VA to Pooh from Pakistan he takes poo? that one to poo. T-I-P-U. Oh. To poo. <laughs> I think he said to poo. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. Yeah. One letter off. Yeah, yeah. To poo. Got it. I send that one WAV file to him. He takes that WAV file. He chops it up into 30 episodes. Mm. He has the intros and outros. So that, to me, is an incredibly streamlined and outsourced process. And actually, this is the first time I've ever mentioned this on Entrepreneur on Fire, because we're going to release these pretty soon. Um I'm actually bringing back weekend jam session on Entrepreneur on Fire. So the weekends are going to have my interview shows, but they're going to have two bonus shows too. It's going to be um, three questions from my listeners from SpeakPipe, and then I'm going to answer all three on Saturday, and then three on Sunday. Mm. Then I'm also going to be releasing an every other day JLD Q&A show that are those same questions, but just in a separate podcast feed for people that just want that. So It's like a full-time job just to consume your content. <laughs> just to consume my content. Yeah. I am obsessed with that. So yeah. that is going to be completely outsourced as well, just in the same way that Quotes on Fire is. So you do need to find systems. You do need to make things happen like that if you want to actually own some of your time. But there's certain things of your business that you do need to own. And just, I'm going to hand it over to you in one second, Michael. It's fine. EOfire.com slash Q, Fire Nation. Just the letter Q. Go there. Ask a speed pipe question. I've already got like 50 in the queue. So the sooner you do it, the better. Ask your, put your name, your business, ask your question. It's going to be featured on EOfire. Coming up soon. EOfire.com slash Q would love to have you. Do they get any like? A, do they get a shout out if they ask a question? Like, do you give them? Do you get their Twitter handle or their URL or anything like that? Yep. Do they earn anything if they ask a question? Well, so, and and it's, featured? It's, it's going to be their voice, which is cool because they're going to ask the question on SpeakPipe, so they're able to to say name, business name, URL, and then question. So they'll get the whole thing, and that's they'll be cool. in their own voice too. Yeah, that's cool. So let's shift now. I'm not sure to what, but I kind of want to hand the reins over to you. Where do you want to take this? Well, I think that we could help. There's a few things that we, we can talk about. One is I have a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of notions on, on podcasting we could talk about okay. if you want to. Because I, I know you have a big podcasting listenership. Big time. Or, and or, you are to me, um, you're in a very transitional phase Meaning that you've now that now you're very successful. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows the show, and I'm sure, I'm certain that opportunities, if they've not already, they they will be knocking on your doorstep. They'll probably be like big companies. Like I just spoke to someone who is uh, was asked to be part of CBS's new podcast network. And I got a, that ask. That's a big deal. Um, and we're starting to see this kind of big media coming down to our little neck of the woods. Um, and I'm curious about... And now you're doing more speaking gigs. And we'll talk, well, actually, we'll talk about this. We talk about brand for a second. We're following a similar path, and even Pat Flynn followed, followed that similar path. You talk about rebranding Entrepreneur on Fire. But when you first started, um, I have this concept that you... You'll hear this in Cebu. But you let the brand be the fullback. 
Um, you're a football fan, right? Yeah, love it. So, Patriots. Um, I'd never heard of them. Um, <laughs> the old school football would be like you've got the big giant guys on the line, you've got your halfback behind the quarterback, and he, the quarterback's going to hand him the ball, he's going to try to run through the big line. Well, in the olden days, they would have this guy who was middle-sized, like a tight end, who would try to blast a hole through that line. He's called a fullback. And he blasts the hole, and then the running back can run through the hole. When you first started your brand, you were entrepreneur on fire. And I don't even... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it said with John Lee Dumas. No, John Lee Dumas. Name. None. Then the next evolution was Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. And now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, if it's not been recently changed, now when I look at your logo, it says John Lee Dumas across (laughs) the top, and then I'm Entrepreneur on Fire. And that is an example of your brand being the fullback. If you'd launched the John Lee Dumas show you'd have six listeners at this point. If I had launched the Michael O'Neill show, I'd have six listeners at this point. Well, can we just kind of interject here because I think this is a great point, but a mutual friend of ours and somebody who you've actually talked highly in the past of, Chris Cerrone show. That's right. How does that work? Well, I think there's exception to every rule, but I don't think he's had the same growth as either of us. No. And people can do that. That said, Chris comes from a very schooled, researched broadcasting background, like me. We're both Howard Stern fans, like our whole lives. And consequently, I know that sounds silly, but consequently, he knows how to conduct a great interview. He's great at it. Sometimes that can trump all, but I don't think he's doing five figures a month or, you know, or five figures a week or day or whatever in downloads. Um, hopefully you guys could hear what we just said with, with all that noise going on in the background, but... But yeah, bring it back. Point is that uh, that you started with Entrepreneur on Fire. Mm-hmm. That's what the that's what the zeitgeist of the universe picked up on. Once you got momentum, you could start interjecting your own personality. And now, because it says John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire, speaking gigs are coming. Opportunities are coming for you, and not just for who hosts that show. Now it's John Lee Dumas. You, you understand what I'm saying? Totally. So yeah, that's that's my point on that. Is that you you can if you nail your brand at the beginning, it can act as the battering ram through, through sort of through society and get people to understand who you are if you've really nailed that brand and they and they get what you're delivering. But it won't be mass appeal if it's just you. So I want to address your point about the potential transition or the current transition that's I and Entrepreneur on Fire I'm going through. And I will say this about that. To me as an entrepreneur, you're you're evolving or you're dying. It's one of the two. There's really no middle ground. There's no treading water anymore. Right. Because if you are treading water, that is a form of dying, unfortunately. Yes, I would actually, um, only because of a lot of things that happened luck-wise. Timing yeah. played a huge role for you me. You nailed it. You nailed the brand. And in the time. And I nailed the time That's right. of the launch That's right. because it was before people's eyes opened. So for so long, and, and by so long, I mean entrepreneur years, which are really, you know, a month was a year. Yeah. So for a decent amount of time, I was the only really interview game in town that was doing it on a real consistent basis, you know, along with Andrew Warner. And because of that, I instantly was getting 3,000 downloads a day. Right. You don't... you. you you can't do that anymore. No. You cannot do that anymore. So because of the luck of the timing for me, uh, because I did get my brand right on a number of levels, some of it by accident, but I did get it right, um, I I was instantly successful with my podcast, not monetization-wise, because that took seven months yeah. from when I launched. But I was speaking at New Media Expo two and a half months post-launch. Right. And that's huge. A solo talk at New Media Expo because of the timing, because of the luck, and still getting, you know, three, and then four, and then 5,000 downloads a day. And that would not happen for me or for anybody else launching today. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, is what, what would you do if you had to launch a show Goodness, today? goodness. I mean, I would, because I still know there's a massive potential and a huge opportunity within podcasting, but I would just be like, I'm getting ready for a battle. I wouldn't launch an entrepreneurial show, I'll tell you that much. 
So I have. I'm going to be launching a show soon. Oh, cool! I didn't know that, that you don't know this. <laughs> um, it is going. It's it is purely for fun and purely for swag. <laughs> um, it's going to be called Cars, Watches, and Hi-Fi. Oh yeah! So it's all my favorite things. Yes. And it's something I took from. Um, there was a, there's a guy named Chris Harris who's a car tester. He has a YouTube channel called Chris Harris on Cars. And he was being interviewed by Joe Rogan, and they were just talking about, you know, whatever cars all all along. And he's like, he says, as a guy, I just continually cycle through these periods of excitement about cars, watches, and hi-fi. I'm like, sounds like me. Sounds exactly like me. (laughs) So I thought, all right, if there's at least one more person out there that thinks this hi-fi is like high-end stereo audiophile equipment. Um, And and I said, I want to just do a show on that. I want to just have, you know, my buddies in that world. And do a show on that, but guess what? I guarantee I could monetize that to six figures in six months. That show specifically, because I don't think it'd be any problem to find advertisers for it. I think it's going to be easy to find listeners for it. I think it's going to be, you know, I just there's uh, there's so much potential in all three of those things to have marketable products. How to set up a home theater system? How to drive like a race car driver? You know what I mean? Like, you know. How to shop for vintage watches? Like, there's killer product ideas within there. If I really wanted to monetize that, so I think having a specific niche that that I truly love and can talk about all day long uh, is the most critical part about launching a, a podcast these days. So I want to qualify that because okay. I don't want to have people kind of misconstrue what I think both of us are trying to say here. Because I actually consider that podcast you're launching like an entrepreneurial podcast because you're an entrepreneur and you're going to be doing entrepreneurial things. I think that it'd be tough to launch an entrepreneur interviewing other entrepreneurs podcast right now. I think that would be difficult to do, but I think that what you're talking about doing is a way that you can and will quickly get to six figures in that business because you're going to nail the brands and you're going to niche 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 into an area that you're going to dominate you are going to be the guy and by the way i don't care if it monetizes that's the other critical part of this that's a good place to be because when we you and i we just spoke um last week at social media marketing world yeah and i was speaking to a guy up we were up at the bars finally after the thing we're chatting and i said well you know how's it how's your blog going and said well it's I'm not getting that much traction because I'm I'm not able to monetize yet. Okay, what what do you what's the blog on? I can't even remember what the blog is on. I said okay, if you and I were if we walked over to that bar and we had a couple of he was a uh, uh, Spanish guy like if we had a couple of tequila shots, what would you start talking to me about? Yeah, it was soccer. I love el football. Soccer. That's what he said. Football. I love the strategy of the big games of soccer. Yeah. I said okay, done. Why is your blog not on that? Yeah. Why? What? Well, I don't know how to monetize it. I'm like, don't worry about the monetize you're part. Not, you don't know how to monetize what you're doing right now. It doesn't. Right. That's what I said. You're making zero now, yeah. so you might as well be making zero doing something you want to do. Yeah. And I said to a person, I bet you anything, you could go to every single person that spoke at Social Media Marketing World, and you could say, "What was your monetization strategy when you started your business?" And they would look at you like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. There was no monetization strategy. Zero. I just wanted, like, you wanted to do this because you saw that there was an opportunity because no one else was doing but it. But also, I wanted to have an incredibly high quantity number of conversations right. with entrepreneurs because right. I knew that was going to get me there. But it wasn't like, and here's exactly, I'm going to think of Podcaster's Paradise in oh, 18 months no. and I'm going to, you know, advertisers are going to come screaming because I'm going to have all these downloads. That doesn't even cross your brain not when you start. So, it's like, the, the, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to have cool conversations with people that, that I found interesting and not just entrepreneurs but comedians and actors and, and people that like, I literally just wanted to meet. Like, I'm not done yet. I want to keep up-leveling the people I talk to until I've got, you know, uh, George Clooney on the show every other day. You know? So, I'm really glad you just had that little rant there because that's exactly what I was. I wanted to get out when I said, I want to really not misconstrue your earlier points about podcasts, entrepreneurs, you know, an entrepreneurial podcast because... I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think there's a lot of opportunity in what you're doing. And I just think if we, Fire Nation, can say to ourselves, this is what I really want to do at my core and go do it. I really want to have conversations with a lot of entrepreneurs and then find my own voice because my voice did not exist. I wanted to find my own voice. 
Michael O'Neill wanted to have laid back conversations with entrepreneurs. They were going to walk away and be like, wow, I never get to do that. And they got to do that on his show. And then plus have his Q&A Fridays where he could just talk. Like that is something that he wanted to do and that now his show is doing what it is. So that's a huge takeaway and our plane's landing. So we're I'm getting not, there. I'm not in a rush to get off, but I, I do kind of want to have a little... I have one thing I want to say. That's what I want to have an on-air conversation about. Like, how do we want to end this? Well, I want to talk about... this. Is, uh, we've been speaking about podcasting yeah. because we both are podcasters, but anything we just said can apply to any of these platforms. And these are, these are the platforms I think are relevant right now. So you've got podcasting. That's the hot hand. The second hot hand right now is writing a book. Everyone's self-publishing. That's like what's happening in but 2015. But like, let, me, let me quantify that. They're, they're writing a book and then making physical copies of it, giving that book away for free plus shipping and having massive upsells within that book. That's, that's right. really what's that's happening. So that's another platform. We've got Google Hangouts. So people are doing these free Google Hangouts that are giving value to send to a platform. You've got YouTube. People are obviously starting YouTube channels. Pure social media. That's another one. Like they're really doing social media really well. And and blogging. So there's your six. Those are unless you have access to sort of traditional media, those are kind of your six choices on how you can grow an audience. And you can take that passion and the thing you love to do and apply it to any one of those platforms. Brace and for impact. Build something. Yeah, we're about to land. Three, two, two. One. If this cuts out abruptly, uh, someone <laughs> feed my dog. <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> All right. So far, so good. So we took off and landed. Yeah. On one that. show. But I want you to finish. You, you. Anyway, but the point is, is that these these platforms, the same exact rules apply. And guess what? The same rules applied 40 years ago when you started a business, which is you've got to find something that appeals to people. You've got to be able to connect with them. You and I talked about not scaling so quickly at the beginning. Find out what they want. Ask them questions. Do it one-on-one until you have enough information or enough reps, as we like to say, enough repetitions of doing that same thing. You can go, okay, I can scale this now. Now I know exactly what the general audience wants to see, wants to hear, and I'm going to offer that to them. That's how I can make some money. So I don't know. I just didn't want it. I didn't want this to feel super podcast centric to people. Yeah, but what I love about what you said is, don't be afraid to scale. I'm actually even going to go one up there and say, do things that don't scale. Like that's actually a challenge that I'm throwing out there, and I know that Michael's seconding because, as we talked about, his monetizing the 200k in one fiscal year. It came from doing things that didn't scale, having conversations, giving those 30-minute coaching calls. Have the conversations, Fire Nation. This is your audience. If you've got more time than money, you don't need to scale. That's a great point. I like how you just said that. If you have more time than money, yeah, you don't need to scale. You don't need to scale. If, if, if that gets flipped, it's scale time. Then it's scale time, baby. Yeah. Oh. That's cool. So I feel like we have some taxi time. We're taxiing. Yeah, we got plenty of time, dude. Um, Come to the gate. Where do you want to take this right now? Just, hey, you're the best podcaster, so you should you should <laughs> really lead. I'm just trying to I'm follow in your footsteps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can just hear Fire Nation unsubscribing here and just solopreneuring <laughs> up right now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, solohour.com. If you guys don't know how to spell preneur, which happens. Oh, it does happen. People can't spell preneur anyway. Um, what else can we leave them with? We have a good, we have a, a couple minutes of, of good, solid, deliver some good value time to these folks. This what is one. What do you? So actually, you didn't say this. So when you look at me from the outside, yeah. what do you think? How do you think I became successful at this game? The word that I would use, or the, this is actually going to be a phrase. And I mean, you're not a young guy. Neither am I. Yeah. But, you know, we're both getting up there in age. I just turned 35. You're in your 40s. 43. And I know this wasn't always the case for you by a long shot, and it, and it wasn't the case for me either. But one thing that I, I look at you now, and especially when you're in your element of being on stage in a podcasting, this phrase comes to mind mm-hmm. is comfortable in his own skin. And I think when we can look ourselves in the mirror, Fire Nation, and say that, you know, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm going to stand up on stage. I'm going to turn on a microphone. I'm going to sit down at a keyboard to write or flip on a video. And I'm just going to be me. And that's what I see with you. Not even just 
here, here's how I can, I can, yeah, make this uh, sort of understood by everybody. Is that think about that person in your life? I can think of about two or three people: my friend Jessica Hall in in, in Denver, my old friend Jen, uh, my buddy Jason. I love who I am when I'm with them. I'm, I'm the best version of me. Or sometimes when I'm uh, playing music, right? So I'm a drummer, and often I'll, I'll play music. Think of it like this. I'll walk into a bar by myself just as a dude, and I, I'll have no game. But <laughs> if I'm in the band, yeah. even if I'm not playing at the time, all I have is game and confidence. So the fact that I can sort of get on the drums, I, it's somehow connecting those two dots to become that person that has the confidence, that is that person that really makes people laugh and you're really comfortable. Think about who that person is in your universe and that's who you want to become whether you're writing or on a podcast or on your YouTube channel. So you found out what that person is, who that person is, and you've learned how to flip that switch. I just, you know, there's no switch for me anymore. I've just evolved into that so person. you're all the time that person. Well, maybe not every single second, but when I'm, like, around you, I feel like I can be. Oh, Air right? 5. Yeah, Air 5 for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap. We're starting to stand. We should wrap, and we're getting emotional now. I'm choking up. I'm tearing yeah. up. <laughs> we have people that are looking at us weird or right. laughing. Actually, can you just introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, hi. Jennifer. Jennifer. Jennifer, where are you from? San Diego. Right. San Diego, what are you coming to Las Vegas for? I'm just a stop like for Fort Lauderdale. Oh, nice. He's Fort going to Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, too. Do you guys know each other? All right, Fort Lauderdale. See, that's how it is. <laughs> so that was somebody that was sitting near us on the flight, Fire Nation. We just wanted to uh, give you a little outside perspective, maybe a little feminine persuasion sure. voice in here. That's but right. I think it's been a great episode. Dude, it's been, it's been awesome. Thanks I've for having me it. on again. It was a blast. This is, yeah, this is number two for you. This is it. Plane cast two and uh, bonus episode number two. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have you on for number three. Yeah, we need to do, we'll do the official when I launch my next big thing. Boom. I can't wait for that, brother. Thanks, buddy. Peace out. Thank you so much for joining me today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head over to eofire.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Is it time to create and launch your podcast? 15 video tutorials with yours truly await at freepodcastcourse.com. See you there.